In this episode of Flying Smarter, I start by talking about invitation-only airline loyalty tiers and the difference between non-stop and direct flights. Then, I'm joined by Gail Martz, a former flight attendant turned businesswoman who pioneered the way that pets travel in airline cabins today. Welcome to episode 20 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel. Today's main segment is about pet travel, and I'm joined by former flight attendant and pet travel expert Gail Martz, who shares her amazing story and insights and advice on bringing your pet to the skies. As usual though, I'm going to start off by answering some air travel questions. Now, let's get started. Is it true that there are secret airline loyalty tiers? Well, sort of. Some airlines do have invitation-only loyalty tiers in their frequent flyer programs. I don't know if I would consider them quote-unquote secret though, because airlines generally do publicly acknowledge them, even if the benefits and the eligibility criteria aren't always publicly known. However, we do have some idea about what it takes to be invited to these elite tiers because of reports from those who've been invited. All three major U.S. airlines have these invitation-only tiers. American Airlines has Concierge Key, Delta Airlines has Delta 360, and United Airlines has Global Services. Customers who have been invited to these tiers generally spend at least $50,000 per year with the airline, but there also appear to be some other factors that go into the decisions around eligibility and invitations. For example, it's widely reported that you can be invited to United's global services after flying 4 million miles in your life on United. Managing a large corporate account and having a lot of spending power with the airline can also factor into whether or not you get an invitation. These invitation-only tiers also exist outside of the United States. For example, Emirates has one called Invitation Only, British Airways has Executive Club Premier, and Air New Zealand has Elite Priority One. The benefits of these tiers vary between airlines, but they tend to be quite generous. Members of these tiers tend to receive things like priority pre-boarding, ahead of other premium or status-holding passengers, lounge access, priority check-in, and top priority for upgrades. There are also some pretty unique benefits out there as well. For example, with British Airways' Executive Club Premier, which reportedly has a spend eligibility of £2 million per year, you get access to British Airways lounges even when you're not flying with British Airways. You also get dedicated customer service phone lines, and the airline apparently is more likely to delay a flight to facilitate connections for members of this top tier. With Emirates' invite-only, the airline guarantees a business class seat on any Emirates flight, and provides customers with fancy gifts such as a Mont Blanc wallet and special luggage tags. For most travelers, these top invitation-only tiers exist in a far-off world, but if you happen to be a big spender with a certain airline or an influential corporate client, then you may be fortunate enough to receive an invitation to one of these special loyalty tiers. What is the difference between a non-stop and a direct flight? Although these two terms are sometimes used interchangeably, they actually have two different, albeit similar meanings. A non-stop flight is exactly what the name suggests, a flight that will take you from the origin airport to the destination airport without stopping. A direct flight, however, refers to a flight between two airports with a single flight number. 
The difference here is that a direct flight can involve stops along the way. Direct flights used to be more common when planes were not as modern and efficient as they are today, but there are still modern day examples. For example, Qantas Flight 1 takes passengers from Sydney, Australia to London Heathrow in the United Kingdom. However, it makes a stop along the way in Singapore. Now, does all this really matter? Well, when you're looking at flight options, you'll generally be made aware of any stops along the way, regardless of whether you're looking at multiple non-stop flights or a direct flight with stops. However, People and airlines may use the two terms when discussing or marketing travel options, so it's a good idea to keep the difference in mind. Did you know that two teams in the National Football League have their own planes? Both the New England Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals have opted to have their own aircraft rather than chartering planes from airlines. In 2017, the New England Patriots purchased two Boeing 767-300ERs, and in 2021, the Arizona Cardinals acquired a Boeing 777-200ER. Major sports teams have very particular and unique travel needs, with little room for delays, so they generally charter entire planes from airlines, but these two teams have decided to acquire their own aircraft to fly their players and staff around. Gail Martz is a former flight attendant turned businesswoman turned pet travel expert who worked tirelessly to change airline policies to allow pets to travel in the passenger cabin. Her hard work and perseverance paid off when American Airlines was the first to allow pets on board in 1992 in the way that we now know. She's the designer and the businesswoman behind the Sherpa bag, the first of a new category and the first officially approved soft side pet carrier in the world, as well as the author of two separate books. Gail, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you, Andrew. That was excellent to hear that. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I want to start by taking a look uh, back in time. What did the pet air travel space look like before you started to change things all those years ago? Well, at th 34 years ago, a pet was not allowed on board an airplane, but if it was, it was in the hard plastic pet carrier. And I wanted to be the alternative to the hard plastic as the soft-sided pet carrier. So my goal was to work with each airlines individually to work on the bulletins, the information, the education. And it really was an education for people because people at that time, they would say, oh, isn't that punishment to put a pet inside of a, a, a bag? And, and it's like they absolutely loved it. And the main thing they love is to be with you. So the pet, cat, dog, uh, is able to go into the Sherpa bag was the name of the soft-sided pet carrier that is a global brand. Uh, and it was created for Sherpa the dog and the world that wanted to be able to travel with their pet. So that, that, that was the beginning of uh, how it started because there was a void in the marketplace. So 
when you're looking to start a business or do something, you want to find a void. And then you want to find a, you know, the cause and then the solution to that void. And this was a huge void because so many people have dogs, have cats, and they wanted to be able to take them with them. So that was as I did uh, with Sherpa, my dog. And so it was how it started. Can you tell me a little bit more about how the journey played out? Uh, yes. In the beginning, it was, okay, I had this idea. I had an idea, but an idea means nothing without laying a, fa- a foundation. So then uh, I had the idea and I was so grateful and fortunate that I had my mother who was uh, the uh a compliment to me in the sense of when starting a business, you always have to have your financial house in order. And she was the one that did that. So we worked together and, and that was really great because I couldn't have done it without her. And she was with me at all of the different uh, times around the world. Uh, you know, first it was in the United States. I needed to take care of, you know, pets traveling within the United States. And then as it expanded overseas and all of that. So uh, my mother, who I would call Connie, because she was my business partner, best friend, and um uh, my mother, and we worked together on all of this night and day. Well, I know that change can be hard, especially in a big, big industry like uh, like aviation. So when you're going about pushing for these changes, I know you had to go airline by airline, but how did different people react? Uh, it was that was the uh, the the hardest part in the beginning was how do I get a hold of the person, the people to be able to speak with and work with and set up this whole new form of travel on board an airplane. So uh, that that really was uh, something that was uh, one of the harder things to do in the airline industry. So I started with uh, you know, American Airlines, reaching the right people. And then I could help them because having been in the airline industry, we have to inform all of the people, educate all of the people. And at that time, you know, this is way back when, uh, you know, everything had to be, you know, documented. And then there would be bulletins as it is today as well. So the foundation had to be laid a very strong foundation with each individual airlines, one by one, and then working through the different parts. Okay, here is uh, in-flight, here is reservations, here is policies and procedures. So I would give you an example on the last airline, uh, which was four years later, I had to change the policy on was Delta Airlines. And so I flew to Atlanta. Sherpa was the first dog 
to be able to fly on Delta Airlines. And we flew to Atlanta. And I, I have to tell you, I was a little nervous about this because this was a great big one for me. And uh, there I am in Atlanta meeting with 15 of the top people regarding policies, procedures, reservation, in flight, you know, all of the different things so that uh, they could see what the Sherpa bag could do to help the revenue, the service, and to help them compete, which is what people need to be able to do in the marketplace. You know, you want to be better. So anyway, that was uh, with Delta Airlines. And so one by one, each one, it's to educate them, you know, and, and then document it and then work with them. Wow. Well, not only is that an amazing story about air travel, but it's also an inspiring business story as well. Now, I want to turn to air travel, and I think I'm going to learn a lot from you because I don't have any pets, and so I don't know all that much about uh, pet travel personally. So maybe we can dive into things with something simple. I know that there are pets that I know that there are some pets that have to ride in the baggage hold, but your work focuses more on pets that you can take with you into the cabin. What are some things that you have to do to prepare before you bring your pet into the cabin? When a pet is going to be traveling on board in the passenger cabin with you, I will make a reservation for myself and at the same time make a reservation for my pet. Now, this can start 10 months and I am 10 months right there to do that because there's only a small number of pets that are allowed on board. It's even a smaller number now because the aircraft configurations have changed in the inside. Uh, Let's say first class has these uh, live flat seats and then business has these and then coach has whatever they have. So the underneath the seat dimensions have changed. So today in the world that we're traveling in, you know, you want to always plan ahead your flight as you would be doing and your pet at the same time. And I'm going to go into what I do because I will get, uh, it's called a record locator or a confirmation. It's imperative to have that for yourself and for the pet, because I have shown up in an airplane and they said, oh, well, there's not enough space for your whatever. I mean, there's always going to be something. And so you want to document everything and make sure you document your record locator for your flight. Okay, I'm leaving for, you know, Paris on this day, H-I-M-M, you know, with the date and all of that. You have to have everything totally prepared and totally in order and documented. You have to have that. So you want to have everything taken care of so that when you show up at the airport, you are totally prepared and you do it in advance because you always want to allow more time. 
that's great, Gail. And uh, here on the podcast, I'm a big proponent of encouraging people to be as prepared as possible for their trips. Now, before we move on, is there anything that we've missed that you want to cover in terms of preparations? Well, we really better talk about the first things that you have to do because the veterinarian is the most important in the beginning because you're not going to get on any flight without the certificate from the veterinarian uh, that the dog is healthy, the dog has the inoculations, that has to be shown. So you need to have that. And that is within seven to 10 days of the flight. So you want to make sure everything is taken care of. And it's like, I'm already going to, I'm booked for the veterinarian for these other flights, you know, book in advance, know that you will need this seven to 10 days before the flight, because you're going to have to show it when you get to the ticket counter. And then uh, prior to getting a pet on a plane, in a, a soft-sided carrier or a hard plastic carrier, let's say if they're going in cargo, training is paramount because you want them to associate this experience with a pleasant experience. So it's like, well, okay, if I just put my dog uh, or cat uh, in a bag, and then they go in and get their teeth cleaned or shots or whatever, then they're not going to associate it with a pleasant experience. So, you know, keep it so you have this uh, bag over here that your crate or whatever it is that does that. And then when you're taking a pet on board, they're really looking forward to it. If you couldn't go to the bathroom for 10 hours, let's just take the travel time to the airport. That's two. Let's take the time that you're waiting for the flight. You have to be there in advance. Three hours. That's three. Then let's take the flight time. And then let's take the last. So you've got all these variables that come into planning ahead. So if you knew you couldn't go to the bathroom, excuse me, for 10 hours, would you be eating and drinking? And, and that's the same for the pet. And they might, you know, dogs uh, know that. So, but that's so imperative because the dog, you don't want them to want to go, have to go to the bathroom and for them not to have any food. They're sleeping the whole time anyway. And that period of time, they don't need the food. And uh, the water, uh, you know, the water's another thing. You know, when I was on in flight, uh, if it was, you know, the long ones, there's always an ice cube. They can lick an ice cube. You know, that's something. But they all they really want to do is sleep. And they love their uh, Sherpa bags or their, their it, it's a home within a home. You know, it starts out at home. That's where you want to start the training is at home. So it's a positive association. So flying is often stressful enough for humans, and I'm sure it's no different for pets. What are some things that people can do to keep their pets calm and happy throughout their flight? Uh, that's the beginning of where we take the time to associate the uh, carrier with a pleasant experience so that they know that they are safe and secure 
and of course comfortable in their carrier. So I don't have to do anything The my uh, dogs know and they dive into their carriers to go. Uh, and so what you wanna do is uh, take the time to have your pet, cat or dog associated with a pleasant experience. So then when you do that, it's like a home within a home. I think it's imperative. We are talking about flying right now, but it's imperative that the training and all the preparation, it begins in the home. You know, don't just lock them in the bag and expect them to understand. So that's where I say, talk to your pet. Okay, this is going to be a long flight. It's going to be, you know, what? talk to your pet. People do that. This is what we do. Well, thanks so much, Gail. I've learned a lot, and I think our listeners with pets will find everything that you said very, very helpful. Switching gears a bit back to you, what comes next uh, in the Gail Mart story? Well, it's still working with... Uh, pets so that more people again in the airline industry now it's again we're going back to the airline industry because things change again so it's uh you know getting pets ready and safety and then educating the airlines more so it's a continue you know it's a global uh it's a it's a global uh universal thing that we have to do so i am doing what I love and in the industry that needs uh, to be learning more about different things so that they are giving the service and their passengers need. And then, you know, they get uh, the benefit of providing a better service for their passengers. Gail Martz is a former flight attendant, businesswoman, and pet advocate. She is the creator of the Sherpa Pet Travel Bag and the author of two books, the first is No Pet Left Behind, the Sherpa Guide for Traveling with Your Best Friend, which provides a roadmap for traveling with pets. The second book is called It's in the Bag, How to Turn a Passion into a New Business, and that offers life and business lessons. You can find out how to get her books and learn more about Gail on her website, gailmarts.com, and connect with her on Facebook and Instagram. We'll put those links in the episode description. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast, Gail. I really appreciate uh, you coming to share your insight and your expertise. Yes, thank you so much. And it's really been wonderful to speak with you. And thank you for taking the time with me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Flying Smarter. Please take a minute and follow us on social media where you'll find things like podcast updates and sneak peeks. Flying Smarter is on Facebook and Instagram at Flying Smarter and on Twitter at Flying underscore Smarter. Thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you again soon.